Hello, this is Dr. Charles Roberts, pastor of Reedy River Bible Presbyterian Church in Conesty, South Carolina. I'd like to welcome you to another special study. Actually, this, what I am intending to share with you, was an evening, a Sunday evening Bible study that I shared with our congregation several weeks ago. And I don't think I mentioned it at the time, but <clears throat> the genesis of this study originated with a book I saw and actually found in a used bookstore called 52 Lies Heard in Church Every Sunday and Why the Truth is So Much Better. So 52 Lies Heard in Church is about a lie every week for a year. <laughs> so, uh, And it's an intriguing book. I don't agree with everything in it, but it certainly raises some questions. And I'd like to <clears throat> uh, raise the point that at least one of those lies, by the way, not mentioned in that book, is the statement that Christ loves the sinner but hates the sin, or Christ hates the sin or loves the sinner. You know, there are a whole variety of sentimental things that we are told and repeat in many churches constantly, things that have absolutely no basis in Scripture whatsoever, but they become sort of accepted idea that this is what Christ says or this is what the Bible teaches when neither the Lord nor his word say anything such as that. So I guess at this point, <clears throat> if you have any question about the direction <laughs> this study's going to go, you can stop listening right now because I think you have a pretty general idea. But it raises the serious issue about the one that I just mentioned. And another way of saying it is, it, is it okay for us to love what God says that he hates? Um, let me lay some scriptural background for this discussion. In the ESV version of Psalm 139, 21-22, we read these words, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Yahweh, O Lord, and do I not detest those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. So we have there a statement from the psalmist that clearly indicates that he hates what God hates, and he detests those who oppose the law word of God. There's no getting around the clarity of these statements, and we find these scattered all through Scripture, not unconnected. For example, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 11, verse 5, it says, The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. The Lord hates those who are wicked and those who do violence. So it raises this issue about the issue of love and hate and God's disposition toward all kinds of different people. Now, in 1 John 4, 8, God's word tells us that God is love. Uh, many people, however, misinterpret that verse to mean just the opposite of what it says. They would say it means love is God, and defining God in terms of love rather than the other way around. God is the definer of all things. So we, as followers of Christ, must look to the scriptures, his infallible, inerrant word, to see what God says love is and what he cites as an example of love. So in Romans 13, verse 10, Paul writes, love is the, well, let me, let me misread it. Let me, let me throw something in there just to sort of grab your attention, hopefully. I'm going to misquote the verse. Paul says, love is the feeling of good things toward our neighbor. Uh, no, that's not what he says. In Romans 13.10, Paul wrote, under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, love is the fulfilling of the law. And then in John 14.15, Jesus said, if you love me, 
then accept me into your heart. No, that's not what he said. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, the, there's a much greater expanded definition of what love is. So the concept that love is God, it actually ties in with a heresy, a false teaching that God in the Older Testament differs from that of the New Testament. Probably maybe some of you who heard me at the very beginning read these passages from the Psalms. Well, you know, that's the God of the Old Testament. God then was, you know, an angry God, but Jesus promotes a way of love, and uh, the, the God of the New Testament is, is a God of love and very different from the older God. So if God was a God of wrath in the Old Testament and now is a God of love, then he sort of evolved into a different attitude, these promoters of false doctrine tell us. Because people think that God has evolved, well, then they treat his standards, his law, as also having evolved. But the Lord declares in Malachi 3.6 that I am Yahweh, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So let's get back to the original question in a different form. Does the Christian, does the Christian have the right to hate? Is it ever righteous to hate? And to go one step further, is it sinful to love what God hates? These are important questions rarely addressed in modern evangelical churches. God's word declares that not only is it right to hate what God hates, as I, just a scant scriptural examples I've already given you tell, but it is wrong to love what God hates. For example, in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 2, we read in these words, I'm reading from the God's word uh, to the nation's translation, Jehu, the son of the seer Hanani, asked King Jehoshaphat, Why do you help wicked people and love those who hate Yahweh? The Lord's anger, Yahweh's anger, is directed toward you because you have done this. Why is God angry with King Jehoshaphat? Because he helped the wicked and he loves those that hate the Lord. We've already talked about these two verses in the Psalms and in Psalm 97 verse 10. Yahweh loves those who hate evil. He keeps safe his faithful. He rescues them from the clutches of the wicked. Now, <clears throat> addressing this issue of the Old Testament God of wrath versus the New Testament God of peace and love, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Now, this is an important distinction, and it sounds like maybe it's contradicting everything I've said up to this point, but it doesn't, because Jesus says, love your personal enemies, and I would limit that based on my understanding of Scripture, at least, to generally those within the household of faith or even within your own household, which presumably is a household of faith. So there's a difference between personal enemies, people that maybe we have had a misunderstanding with, versus those who are principally foundationally enemies of God Almighty. So God's word declares that not only is it right to hate what God hates, but it is wrong to love what God hates. And if we say that we must love what God hates, well, then we're trying to be holier than God. Now, <clears throat> let's flesh this out a little bit further. The scriptures teach us that God hates certain people and things. So the, the question of what it is that what hate is and what God hates needs to be discussed. And if you'd like to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19, 
I'm going to read these passages. Uh, this is from the New King James Translation. This, these six things the Lord, that is Yahweh, hates. Yes, even seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So this scripture obviously shows that God indeed hates the sin and the sinner who commits the sin. A false witness that speaks lies is clearly a person whom God hates and is an abomination to him. The, 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 the speaking of the lies is not something that just exists in this vaporous mist. There, there's someone doing the speaking. The lie has an origin from the vocal cords of an individual, and scriptures teach us that God hates that person. He that sows discord among brethren is, again, a, a person, a real person. These are people whom God hates, not just their sin. You know, if God hated only the action and not the person who commits the action, well, then he would have no right to hate the person either, really. However, some people might argue that God can do things that human beings can't do. I mean, God can hate, but, but hasn't told us that we should hate. That's a common rejoinder when people start having their sentimental evangelical presuppositions questioned by Scripture. And in Second Chronicles 18... We, we have an example. We don't have to b- debate this because Scripture addresses this very situation, and I've read it to you once. Let me read it to you again. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went over to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is the wrath of God upon you. This is what the Bible teaches. The Word of God states this. And so it raises the question, if we're uncomfortable with that, if we think that somehow we are not required to hate what God hates, well, aren't we trying to be holier than God? Aren't we trying to be better than God's divine law word? What is higher in authority than God's word and even God himself? Since God is the definition of holiness, it is impossible to be holier than God. And when we say that we must not hate what God hates, we are deciding for ourselves what to hate and what is right and what is wrong. And of course, If that sounds familiar, well, it should, because this is the sin of Adam and Eve, as recounted in Genesis chapter 3. Maybe we could put it this way. Maybe this will wake up some folks. Are we to love Satan and his demons? I mean, after all, why, why should they be excluded? You know, imagine being at a prayer meeting and somebody raises their hand and says, I'd like for us to pray for the conversion of Satan. Um, I'd like to, a friend of mine has, has been demon-possessed, and I'd like to pray for those demons that they'll start believing in Christ. You know, I think that most people would find that kind of thing crazy. God does hate the sin and hate the sinner. The Psalms repeatedly demonstrate this. Now, to read Psalm 11.5 from a different translation, the Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. And then in Psalm 26, verses 2 to 5 from the New American Standard Translation, Examine me, O Lord, Yahweh, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness, your covenant love is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. In Psalm 31, verse 6, The psalmist says, I hate those who cling to false gods, but I trust in Yahweh, the Lord. 
And in Psalm 139, as we read it a moment ago, the last three verses are David asking the Lord if he has been faithful to him. And, and, and David reminds the Lord that he has hated those who are the Lord's enemies. And so David knows that this is not being unrighteous. <clears throat> Again, to address this issue of, well, wait a minute, <clears throat> what about the New Testament? What does that say? Aren't we sort of making a transition? Aren't things evolving, in other words? Some people do assert that the New Testament has a totally different doctrine than the old in this matter. And um, that is not true, of course, because Christ said that not one jot or tittle of the law will pass away, Matthew 5.18. And when Jesus said that, he's talking about that portion of Scripture that we in this New Covenant era understand as the Older Testament. Paul never said, and for that matter, no New Testament writer ever wrote, that we do not have to listen to what the Older Testament has to say. However, on the subject of hate, there is a place where the New Testament not only refers back to, but also affirms what the Older Testament had to say. And if you will read Malachi 1, 1 to 3, you will find that text. I'm going to leave it to you, the listener, to do that. Because I want to also share with you something Paul writes in Romans 9, 10 to 14. He says, not only this, referring to this text in Malachi, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, and as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. This is Paul in the New Testament in Romans 9. So, how do we as Christians apply godly hatred to an enemy of God? Um, it, It certainly raises the question, are we free to violate God's law in dealing with those who God says we should hate? No, absolutely not, because the Bible tells us to do good in the sense of God's law doing good unto all people, unto all men, especially unto them, particularly unto them who are in the household of faith, Galatians 6.10. And since we have been told that love is the fulfilling of the law, therefore we are not free to steal from our fellow human beings, no matter who they are, murder them, covet what they have, bear false witness against them, etc. So what does it mean? that we are not to aid and abet the enemy. Well, it means that we should not do anything to help those who are violating the law of God and their projects and what they're doing. An enemy of God should be our enemy of well in that regard. That's why Jehoshaphat, in the passage that we read from 2 Chronicles, was reprimanded. He was aiding and abetting the enemy of God. For example, in terms of our own personal issues, We are not to help the enemies of God communicate more effectively. We are not to help a candidate running for political office get elected who is one of God's enemies. I'll let you ponder that. If you can't clearly understand what God counts as an enemy, you might better want to go back and read Scripture much more carefully. And as my friend Pastor Joe Moorcraft says, when you go vote, don't throw the Bible outside the voting booth. Take it in there with you, so to speak. We must not give our resources to assist the ungodly. Friends, in order to be faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we must love what he loves and we must hate what he hates. 
To do anything else is to attempt to be holier than God. And that itself is a sinful concept, and it is impossible in reality. I hope this study will be a challenge to you, that you will think more clearly and biblically on these types of subjects that are often bandied about in churches of all types, and that we will be stridently faithful to what God says in his divine law word, because this is what he says he will bless, this and nothing else, and by his mercy and grace, may we be faithful to that command. Thank you for listening to this special study, and we invite you to our services at Reedy River Bible Presbyterian Church. You can find our website at reedyriverbpc.org, and uh, we'll look to talk to you again next time. God bless.